Father, open our eyes that we might see Jesus. Open our hearts that we might love him. And open our minds that we might think those things which are edifying to the body of Christ. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You have heard we all have our cross to bear. There's some truth to that. Perhaps you have an illness or a handicap. Perhaps you have aging parents or a sick child. Perhaps you have some financial or di difficult job situations. Perhaps you just won the lottery and now you have to figure out how to spend all that money. <laughs> we all have our cross to bear. Many of you bear those crosses with great courage, even heroism. You are deserving of honor and praise. God bless you. Today's gospel, or one of the parallels in Mark or Luke, is almost surely the source for that old saying. That is not, however, what I think Jesus meant by the words, take up your cross and follow me. I'll explain as we look together at today's gospel. Today's gospel is about the clash of two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. Let's look at the two kingdoms one by one. First in Jesus' earthly life and ministry, and then in ours. First, the kingdom of God in Jesus' life. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew 16, verse 21. It reads, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go up to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. The text says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples. This marks a change in the direction of Jesus' ministry. His focus had been the preaching of the gospel to the crowds, preaching the kingdom of God. We have seen that kingdom breaking in through the miracles of Jesus. As Jesus said to the disciples of John the Baptist, the blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up. And the poor have good news preached to them. But now, he says, he must go up to Jerusalem. Now he must suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes. Now he must be killed. Now he must be raised on the third day. Now he must go. Now he must suffer. Now he must be killed. Now he must be raised. All these verbs are in the Greek aorist tense. That means that things happened at a point in time. It's not a continuous action. It's not repeated. It's one and done. The passion and death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is a once-for-all-time event, never to be repeated. As Paul wrote to the Roman church, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all. That is why the celebration of the Eucharist is a remembrance of his sacrifice, not a repeat. 
There is no sacrifice on this table. Anamnesis is the Greek word for remember. But it is more than mere memory. I like to think of it as a first kiss. You remember it, but if you close your eyes, you can almost relive it. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Preach it, brother. <clears throat> it's almost as if you were there again. Yet there is only one first time. One and done. The words of institution read in the Eucharistic prayers are called the anamnesis. The remembrance of Jesus once for all sacrifice. Jesus' ministry has now taken a decided turn toward preparing the disciples for his self-sacrifice. This is real kingdom work. It is said that Jesus was a carpenter who did his best work on the hard wood of the cross. From that cross he cried, it is finished. Now look at the kingdom of this world in Jesus' earthly experience. Turn to verse 22. Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Can you imagine? Peter took Jesus by the arm and pulled him away from the other disciples and rebuked him. This is not what I signed up for, Jesus. Remember, Jesus, when you said, who do you say that I am? And I said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're not supposed to die, Jesus. You're supposed to drive the Romans out of Israel and usher in the kingdom of God. This shall never happen to you. Poor Peter. Poor, impetuous Peter. He got it all wrong. Verse 23 reads, Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Not on the kingdom of God, but on the kingdom of this world. Not long before, when, Jesus, when Peter said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus said to Peter, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Now Jesus calls Peter Satan, a hindrance to the things of God. At one moment in time, Peter is the rock upon which Jesus will build his church. And the next moment, he is a hindrance to the things of God. The things of God, the kingdom of God, the things of man, the kingdom of this world. These two kingdoms clashed in Jesus' encounter with Peter. The two kingdoms met again face to face in the Garden of Gethsemane. There again, the kingdoms clashed. There Jesus bent his knee to the Father and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. In submission to the Father's will, Jesus won the victory for the kingdom of God. The kingdom of this world was vanquished the moment Jesus chose the Father's will.
Yes, Jesus came to give sight to the blind and strength to the lame. But more than that, he came to die for the sins of the world. Your sins and my sins, once and for all. Now look at the kingdom of this world in our lives. Turn to verse 25. Jesus says, For whoever would save his life will lose it. It is a matter of priorities. In the preservation, if the preservation of our own life is our central motivation, motivation, the thing that drives us, we will not live life to the fullest. If we are self-seeking, we will die in our sins. The writer to the Hebrews tells us that Jesus came to deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. We cannot be fearful and free. If we cling to the things of this world, we will be enslaved by them. I grew up in a small Episcopal church in Salisbury. Most of my young life we were without a priest. My father was a lay reader and read morning prayer on Sunday mornings. Part of that service is the general thanksgiving, which includes the phrase, by giving up ourselves to thy service. The very thought of that scared me half to death. For many years I ran from God. I was afraid that if I gave my life to Jesus, he would send me to Africa to be a missionary. Later, while in seminary, after giving my life to Jesus, I saw a video of missionary work among the Inuit people above the Arctic Circle. And Africa looked pretty good to me. <laughs> Thanks be to God, what Jesus had in mind was neither the Arctic nor Africa, but Charlotte, North Carolina. God is good. Jesus continues in verse 26. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? The things of this world, the kingdom of this world, will never satisfy. If he had it all, it would not be enough. John D. Rockefeller, when asked how much is enough, famously answered just a little bit more. The kingdom of this world will never be enough. Now look at the kingdom of God in our lives. Verse 24. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Let him deny is an imperative verb. Translate it, must deny. Take is also an imperative verb. Must take. Likewise, follow is imperative. Must follow. These are commands. Must deny himself. Must take up his cross. Must follow me. Just as Jesus must go to Jerusalem, must suffer, must die, must be raised. So we must deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. My life, your life in the kingdom of God must be no less self-sacrificing than that of Jesus. No less obedient to the will of the Father. But note, our self-denial, 
our willing self-sacrifice, our obedience to follow Jesus is not in itself redemptive. Our redemption is paid in full by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Can we hear another amen? amen. Nothing more, nothing less than the blood of Jesus. But if we would know the fullness of life in the kingdom of God, we must deny ourselves. We must take up our cross. We must follow him. As I said at the beginning, taking up our cross is not that illness or handicap or burden that we must all carry. The cross of which Jesus speaks is that willing self-denial, that embrace of ministry and mission, that obedience to the Father, which we undertake voluntarily for the spread of the kingdom of God. We cannot escape the possibility that taking up that cross might literally mean martyrdom for the followers of Jesus in the first century or the 21st. Indeed, more Christians died for their faith in the 20th century than in all the 19th centuries before. In the late 20th century, Anglican bishops from Africa were, a were asked at the Lambeth Conference what the Anglican Communion could do for the church in Africa. And the bishops answered, send us clerical callers so that the people will know that our priests are dying for their faith. These two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world, still clash every day. The victory is won. The price of our redemption is paid in full by the blood of Jesus. Yet there remains a price to be paid. We must pay it. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In closing, listen carefully to what St. Paul's, Paul's final address to the elders at Ephesus. In his words, if you listen you can hear the clash of the kingdoms and witness the victory of the kingdom of God. Bear with me, it's a long passage, but there will be no commentary. I'm reading from Acts 20, beginning at verse 18. Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders. You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you everything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going up to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value or as precious to myself, 
If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things, to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease day or night to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, you must help the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. In Paul's quote. Jesus calls each of us and he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. When kingdoms clash around you, when faced with a choice between the kingdom of God or the kingdom of this world, what would it look like for you to choose the kingdom of God? What would it look like for you to follow Jesus? What is he calling you to do? Will you do it? Let's pray together. Father, give us grace to bend our knee before your throne and to say with Jesus, not as I will, but as you will, Father. For we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.